Welcome, welcome to the Spirit Soul Series podcast, and we are back on another episode. We are we've got Suprachechi, the wise master, and uh, we are going to continue with the fifth chapter of the Gita, the fifteenth verse. So let's let's start, Suprachechi. Okay, thank you, uh, Kanan Siddharth. Thank you very much, and Shila Prabhat ki jai. Now, yeah. what uh, this chapter just. Uh, one will do a very uh, brief review or recap of what we did last time which is the first half of chapter 5 uh, but before we do that just understand the chapter 5 is basically getting us ready to come to chapter 6 which is just jnana yoga what we know as ashtanga yoga and this technical process of achieving the same results that are possible by karma yoga but uh, taking it to a higher level so in chapter 5 what they've been describing until now in the first 15 verses that you acquire a certain equipoise or the equanimity of mind where nothing disturbs the person because they are getting so much satisfaction internally and they have conquered all the usual anarthas and we'll hear more about that later in this chapter kama krodha etc and uh, th- there were two three uh, analogies in the uh last class which in the portion we covered but the most striking one there if you remember is the one about the city with the nine gates city of nine gates yeah you remember it was about uh, the body that the yeah. the jeeva ah, yeah, living in correct correct yeah yeah i think i'm not sure i think i remember it okay basically it is just the nine holes of the huh. body starting with nostril ears etc and that the body is treated as a city with nine gates or openings and just as in a city the gates are guarded carefully to uh, there are guards there to screen and check what goes in and what comes out similarly a jiva or soul that is well situated in this city will do the same with the influences working on him or what goes into him and comes out both material and at a subtle level so the city of nine gates is like a very striking uh, tool that we've been given so that we can treat our own body we can screen and uh, discriminate in terms of what we watch what we hear what we speak what we eat how we exercise etc mm. yeah because self control and self restraint is a, a key factor in all spiritual progress uh, this is the verse right uh, sorry this is the verse no when the embodied living beings control his controls his nature and mentally renounces all actions he resides happily in the city of nine gates neither yeah. working nor causing work to be done yeah 13 and 14 so this and because the self restraint or self control um is the key is a key factor in spiritual progress and in spiritual life so and the what uh, goes completely against that and pulls us in the opposite direction is the pulling and pushing of the senses hmm. so the senses have got to be dealt with okay they are like mad dogs running in any direction and uh, in order to control them we learn uh, if we keep this analogy in mind of ourselves and the body that you don't pander to anything and everything that the mind throws up or in you know, the tongue demands or the uh, etc or the ears or eyes want you don't you discriminate and you check and balance so that therefore there is this one powerful analogy there was another analogy that was also quite good which is about um, uh, you remember something about smelling a flower uh that the super soul uh mm. that comes towards in the last in the purport i think the purport is given in the purport and not in the main uh, text main verse 
of how the lord as paramatma is situated inside and he can uh, he knows our desires exactly like you would hold a flower near your nose and smell it so that's also quite a kind of a remarkable analogy it's uh, it means that there's nothing we can hide from the supreme lord we may be surrendered we may not be surrendered we may be atheist we may be a devotee but fact is he's sitting there fully cognizant of everything that's happening and he is omniscient omnipresent etc so he knows exactly what you're thinking desiring planning executing regretting um lamenting so uh, uh, you know there is a saying about how you can fool some of the people some of the time or all the time but you uh, or you can't fool all the people all the time actually you can't fool god any time because he's there and he's witnessing he's there as sakshi and he is witnessing everything so that was another analogy about how the lord knows our desires just like we would know the smell of a flower by pulling it near our nose there's another analogy that's a good one which is about uh, a, a cloud when it is a portion of a cloud when it is separated from the parent cloud it just uh, gets blown away so it is that that analogy was given to suggest how utterly dependent we are on the mercy of the lord and how depending on our desires we get blown west or we get blown east that is we go towards heaven or we go towards hell the lord merely sanctions like an impartial witness and the last prominent analogy in this section is about water rolling off the leaf of a lotus lotus plant how the water doesn't get stuck to the leaf because the leaf is so waxy that the water just rolls off and similarly we have to learn to act in such a way that the reactions uh, don't stick to us this is just roll off and there's another analogy given not here but in lectures that by shri prabhupad how you must learn to catch fish without getting wet means basically that you situate yourself like if now you are going to a, a a new job you have a new situation you do whatever is required to keep body and soul together you have to maintain modicum good relations with the people who employ you the people who work with you or you know below you hierarchy but don't get entangled don't get entangled in any mess that they are creating or uh, anything that they say about you which may hurt but so this this chapter 5 although it is abstract it is giving useful tips how to situate ourselves in this material world at least try and remember these verses and these explanations to check and guard ourselves when we are operating in this world around us one actually uh, thing that uh, i found useful in the bhagavatam actually where yeah. i don't know where which part of the bhagavatam is written but somewhere in the bhagavatam is written that avoid unnecessary talks mm. so so like i do i i do that like in my life now i don't i used to i i used to engage in like unnecessary talks all the time and now i don't do that i just like if somebody is talking about some something now i'll be like i don't need i don't need to talk about this i don't need to do anything like just let it be and you i'll realize that just by not engaging in if somebody is not talking about anything that's like uplifting or something spiritual in some in some sense or at least somewhere close to that if somebody is just talking about some gossip this person said this to that person that person said this about this person and this kind of thing 
if you talk a lot about it you get entangled in all that and then you get you get the results of that of those of that whole action basically so i don't do yeah. that like unnecessary talk like you can you can come across as like oh you're not you're not saying anything but like it's like it makes sense just just don't get involved in unnecessary talk it will help you in in many ways i feel so, so true but does that mean that you get labeled as an anti social uh, no no no, no. Not, not anti social sorry not in the sense of anti social elements but not sociable or not friendly does it mean no no no, you- no not like that like i feel like you need to uh, understand also when you have to do it you can't like do it all the time but like oh, if okay. somebody is just if somebody is like uh, like if somebody is talking about some gossip i'll be like i don't i i'll say something but then i'll be like i don't have much to contribute to this whole thing and oh, i'll just nice. let it be and yeah. so then uh, yeah that's it nice good policy and uh, also because when people start talking they talk especially with women it ha- it happens in the case of women they talk 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 and then they just they just say this and then they say something else and something else and there is no control the control is completely lost over the tongue and in the process not only so that they create so much aparad and offense they themselves get completely confused and start believing what they've said i've seen this happen the, the bhagavad yeah. says this it says this about women is like you can you can't trust a woman because she go and she go and like talk to this person and that person like you know like i don't know there's a lot of things like you know they'll say like you know don't, uh, there's a lot of stuff there but uh, i understand like, yeah which may be considered controversial in today's not politically yeah. correct in today's yeah, yeah. Right? yeah i understand so we one has to see in what context and then try and understand it if we even if we can't accept it fully where are you at the bagwatam by the way i reach the 10th 10th canto okay so, so like i'm on the 13th 13th chapter i think that so uh, these are all basically the leelas no all leelas. the aspects of baby krishna and putana uh, like we finish the putana then bakasura and then uh, uh, agasura like yesterday i was reading i was uh, reading the agasura uh, past time and like uh, what do you say like how all these demons just basically like you know they just like employed by kamsa to just kill krishna the whole time and this and he's like just busy playing the whole time <clears throat> he's like you know just right, right. Uh, you know going around playing just being a normal boy ordinary boy like you know prank, making jokes and you know just having fun and like i was just thinking like this is the god like you know the, like god as in like who's so playful it's like i don't That's think there's so any other god yeah so like uh-huh. no other god that exists where you can say that he's he's like putting dirt on his face and he's like laughing you know all gods generally are supposed to be serious and all that but like right. when you listen to the leelas like you really get you start feeling a lot of like you start li- like you start loving krishna in a, in a different way actually and there's like this like in the one sense like you can like ah, i can relate to this and i was a small boy i i used to do stuff, stuff like this and like even he's also doing stuff like this so i mean like i mean so you know it's very relatable and so in that sense so it's pretty cool what you are saying is exactly what convinced one of those western leaders uh, in prabhupad's time one of the disciples is still around don't remember it was satru maharaj or it was the other uh, the other famous for writing and earlier predator of the bd he said the same thing because uh, the christian concept of god is something along like you know atlas and the huge burden on his uh, holding the globe and climbing down and one of great 
struggle and taking so much weight and but when he came to this uh, the krishna past times or deep days suppose he would might not have read it in his early days from uh, the bhagavatam but because the 10th canto is summarized and made freely available to people who have not got that far in the bhagavatam in the form of the krishna book prabhupada insisted that the krishna book should be produced even before any of the other serious books i'll so be reading that book after this i'll be reading that book uh, after this uh. yeah and i think krishna book was made possible because of a nice uh, generous donation by was it john lennon that's a forward to it anyway so the through the krishna book either satyarup maharaj who finally wrote the prabhupada lila amrita or who is still around now or else it was ravindra swarup prabhu also very scholarly and uh, philadelphia temple etc one of those who joined uh, later said when they came to this description of god they felt this is it this must be god because he is like you said he is doing um, epic heroic stra- uh, fights and struggles co- conquering evil demons but it's all a part of the, the it's just all part of the day's work you know it's not a big issue so this must be really god that's why he is so so superior to us ordinary human beings and uh, one w- w- one thing i really like about the story is that relationship between him and his mother like his mother is like his mother like it doesn't even know that he's god but she just treats him like a son and like uh-huh. he loves that even more he doesn't like to be he doesn't want to be treated as a god in that sense like as if there is like pure love and affection then he loves that even more he doesn't want like this like you know him being put on this pedestal if you can love him that will be even better and mm-hmm. mother sees him that way you know, like beats him up, like you know he get has any issues like uh, hits him like, you know, and ties him up and all that stuff like what a normal mother would and can you i was like imagine he's god like if he wanted like he could just like kill her if he wanted to like end her. and she's doing all these things and like it's amazing and like the fact is that like uh, she's like he's opens his mouth and then when he opens his mouth the whole universe is there inside his mouth and all that stuff right and speaking mud is we need to yeah he's been in mud and and so then she asks him to open his mouth like so she tells him like I till now I'm not said anything to you because you know we were having fun and you know all the gopis everybody is like you know jumping up and down having a lot of fun and you know but your friends are coming and telling me that you are eating mud and they are telling me that you have eaten this and consumed this so and they are worried so if they are worried then what do you think I also won't be worried and so then she asks him to open his mouth so he opens his mouth and she's and he's and the whole universe is inside his mouth like all the the various you know and living non living entities everything shiva all these people are there. and she can't understand what this whole thing is like she's not able to understand like what this is I so think when she, uh, clo- she faints huh? she faints so she briefly loses consciousness or something no no, no she's like uh, yeah yeah she's in that she she's seeing all that but then the minute he closes his mouth everything goes away so then like okay. and so she if she can't understand what happened so then she just forgets it immediately and she's like she again right, goes right. back to treating him like a son which i oh, found yeah. like amazing like you see the you see the everything and then suddenly you're like okay. okay everything is normal like you know i as if nothing happened like you know uh, that was that was pretty nice i felt that do you uh, have you seen that painting of her chasing him with the stick she's uh-huh. running it's like a profile uh, it's a iskon painting and he's running for his life like some of these small children run this little blue naked form with just a loin cloth and some jewels she's got a real stick in her hand and she's chasing him it's a lovely painting she's a kind of heavy bodied traditional govardhan kind of lady in her appearance 
you know hefty little hefty and she's got her hair flying and everything and she's running it's really cute and in the leelas have you come across this dhenukasura that the donkey demon how not yet i think i think that should come soon i think oh okay. yeah i think that will come soon yeah I'm the 13th chapter so I don't know when that happens I'm not sure Okay because I'm also not sure exactly when that comes in the Bhagavatam yeah. uh, but the Dhenukasura Leela it's interesting because Balaram is actually the hero it's not Krishna yeah. it's Balaram's brother and uh, the donkey demon they want to again like you said go and just frolic in a date farm um I, I know the story like because I I uh, I when I was like a small kid I had seen the cartoon version of that So like <laughs> the cartoon version I'd seen like there's a there's actually a cartoon version of Little Krishna that's there and so I had seen the the, the story of uh, Dhanakasura is there in that so I I know the story but I, like I'm not re- in the Bhagavatam I've not reached uh, that part basically okay. I've not reached that I would, uh, say, I would say I I started my spiritual life at least one one of the turning points is seeing a painting of the Dhanakasura demon. with uh, a painting and it's a lovely painting because they are just taking these donkeys and by the hoof and swirling well, them swirling like, up and yeah. dramatic yeah and the date palm uh, uh, the little mangrove like date palm garden in which they have because they couldn't get up their date palms you should that, okay. you, you should watch the cartoon series okay that's actually very nice that that cartoon series no they have all yeah. the leelas of krishna and that little krishna it's all the leelas are there all the demons like that krishna's fighting now is there in that uh, it's there in that cartoon series it, i think it's there on uh, sony live or something like it's there on so it's there yeah I'll, i can i can send it to you because in that like uh, there are all these episodes of krishna's pastimes in that like it's in a cartoon version and so when you see that you kind of you can like it's kind of it's you like it even more actually because you can actually see okay. that cartoon visually i understand yeah it's it's pretty yeah, very pretty nice. nice so like okay. yeah no you are from the side track rather no yeah. you have a real taste for the stories i think that's how your story it's like when bhagavatam you get you go from dhruva's story then you go to jadabharata's story then you you know then there's a long description about lot of things and then you get to pralad then you get to uh, uh, you know then in bit i think after pralad you get to like indra and uh, vritasura i think i think that's the demon's name where he fights vritasura and uh, and he gets like this like vishnu kind of blesses him with this like he tells him to go to a sage i don't know sage name and they like with the bones of the sage you get the thunderbolt and all stuff and he fights with that vritasura demon and uh, he kills him using the thunderbolt and uh, so indra defeats the demon or stuff you know and that okay. that thing is there and even even though the demon is actually acting in like a lot of in a in a lot of goodness like he's trying to fight but all the other demons are like uh, you know like getting scared and running away and all that stuff so he's uh-huh. like stands there and fights so that story is that story is good a lot of other stories like that then there's like uh you know then if you keep going here to bali maharaj's story where he, i didn't know that uh, maharaj bali was like the grandson of pralad i had no idea i didn't know that i i, I didn't know what the like, because then that would mean that uh, vishnu as, uh, like uh, came as an avatar like twice in a row like after the like in a sense like that that pralad and bali maharaj are somewhat connected in that that 
that whole uh, story of Hiranyakashipu and yeah uh, Bali Maharaj is like com- somewhat connected because as Bali Maharaj is like he gets the power he does a, he I think he impresses the sage Shukracharya I think and so mm-hmm. Shukracharya is very impressed by his devotion and all that so he awards him all these benedictions and and then he gets these powers he defeats and Indra. More- no more than that what actually happens is Shukracharya becomes his guru and Shukracharya gives him advice not to surrender to be very cautious in granting anything that Vishnu asks Shukracharya so this is one of those rare instances where the devotee of the disciple ignores the guru bypasses the guru and just follows his heart and goes straight to God it's a very rare instance okay carry on yeah Shukracharya uh, so, particularly tells him be careful what you are going yeah. to offer because uh, you correct, will be covered. Correct. Correct. And so in that time when uh, uh, Vishnu like descends as a Vaman avatar, she's yeah. the I mean he's the son, she's the son of uh who's Vaman's mother and father? Uh, I'm not getting the names right. Is now. it Ad- Aditi? Or, Aditi, Aditi and Kashyap. Aditi and Kashyap, I'm not very sure. Anyway, ah, yeah, it's, it's 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 Aditi only I think because she does like and she uh, she's like kind because of her son being driven away by Bali Maharaj from the uh, from the heavenly planets, like she approaches Kashyap and asks him like what should I do? How do I get my son? Like I think I think one of her sons is also as a demigod basically. So how do I get my son back into the heavenly planets and all that? So she's like kind of upset that Bali Maharaj also like he's controlling the upper planets and all the heavenly realms. So she asks Sage Kashyap to what should I do? And so he tells her that you know you must perform this kind of uh, yoga, like some kind of um, practice you must do. I don't know the name of the practice, but you have to practice this, chant this particular kind of mantra, and you will get the benediction and stuff. And so Vishnu comes and he's pleased by it, and then he gives her like. He says, you know, I'm so blessed by, I'm so uh, uh, pleased with it. So I'll come as your son. So he comes as Vaman, like Vamana, the dwarf, as a son. And so he he goes to that place where Bali Bali Maharaj is there. So then he asks him, like, you know, I'm. He comes as a Brahman, basically, the Brahman dwarf. And so he asks him. Then then that's when you said Shukracharya like tells him like, be careful what you're going to give him and all stuff. He's asking for three. He's asking for three steps of land, but. Whoa, this person is actually Vishnu in disguise and you right. need to it basically doesn't need to be careful like you know what you're going to give him and all stuff so this guy is right. uh, but Bali Maharaj in one sense is like very honorable he says like you know I, I can't uh, not give uh, anything to like I can't not uh, you know reject a Brahmin like you know some if somebody's coming uh, whoever's coming and offering me asking me for something I have to give it to them I can't say no and all so, so he says okay so in that way, like you know, like you know, Vishnu, like I mean, Vaman covers the with his first step, he covers like the uh, you know the you know the heavenly realm, and then the second step he covers the hellish realm, and so when now the thing is like at the third that, step, uh, Sukracharya tells him like now you've lost it because in the third step there's no, he's already covered everything. If you don't give him what he's offered, then you will be cursed for eternity and stuff. In that and time, not, Bali. Not, hmm. One minute. Not only that, I'm just interjecting. I think the size of this book keeps increasing. Yeah. yeah. Vamana or Vishnu, Avatar Vamana, the size of the book keeps increasing. That is how he completely kind of 
covers the entire there's no space and then bari uh, maharaj has to bow down and surrender and show his own head to yeah. him and then after that like i guess with that i think bari maharaj is like goes down i guess and then he's uh, like he, like but then he's also like uh, i don't know elevated. i don't know if he's dead elevated he's elevated ah, right yeah because he's given and the, he's given a whole planet to himself ah yeah uh, yeah he's given a whole planet to himself correct correct the, yeah and the relationship between them as a gatekeeper the lord is willing uh, in, in, in that's when him. that is the time when pralad comes into that story where he comes in he appears in yeah. that part and then he's like he tells uh vam like he tells vamna that you know on behalf of you know like i think he tells him like behalf like these um you know like uh, you know forgive him for all the things that he's done something or he tells him and, you know yeah. like that he says things i think he bali maharaj and i think a couple of other people they all go to this planet they all right. uh, leave together and they go to this planet so i think that's when you can say that the pralad story somewhat gets over but like okay. if you because if you read that hiranyakashyap uh, story you think okay it got over then but then he's still right, there right, right. even when bali maharaj is there and all that stuff and they talk about that uh, krishna i'm mean, not krishna vaman like in that form of vishnu talks about his ancestors talks about the lineage that he comes from he comes from this family of um, uh, you know great demons you know i think he says great demons like you know they were all demons basically but they were very uh, you know highly elevated demons in one sense like they had like hiranyakashyap hiranyakashyap pralad also a demon bali maharaj is also a demon so a lot of them but they're all highly elevated because they're always like you know they got past that demoniac mentality and they were constantly situated in that uh, Uh, that's a very interesting concept no or uh, if we just see it as black and white it, it, even to me it came as a surprise or a shock the pralad is in the daitya line not the devas that basically he is in the lineage of the demons the uh, demons that's right it's little um, startling to know this but like you said uh, uh, the whole arrangement is so interesting that they've got past their demonic mentality mm-hmm. and they're constantly getting elevated and then bali maharaj says the actual crux of the point the problem or the issue was that there was pride left in him he was doing as a ruler he was doing everything so nicely that there was still pride left in him and it is to uh, redeem or cleanse him of that pride that uh, vishnu uh, in the form of vaman uh, or krishna in the form of vaman made such an impossible demand and took away everything from him because taking away everything from a person you know unless he won't let go normally what happens is that at the time of death we suddenly realize we can't take anything but the desires are still there in the mind so in the next body we start again hungering and desiring bali maharaj has already passed all that the only problem was that he done his duty so meticulously as a raja that, that's why you know there is a onam festival in kerala they, because it was at the time of such his reign was one of such prosperity and good harvest etc so the pride which was there is what uh, vishnu was trying to pull out from the root i have uh, is- i have one doubt going uh, to ask you supervisor like when it comes to the demigods no they are like if they are in the heavenly planets why aren't they ever able to like get to like vaikuntha or or um, why are they never able to get to that place no, one is that they act actually they are there by the lord's instruction or wish to uh, be there for those of us who are on a lower level of these planets 
to pray to them and they are like departmental heads one gives rain water another gives sunlight to surya dev another gives like this moonlight and they have so they are there part of the larger picture or the design of the lord you know they are uh, there uh, you are asking why are not they aspiring to give up this and to go back to godhead uh, it's really because uh, they are not one at the level of the of the uh, like a pure devotee therefore you have conflict how great and elevated and um, uh, powerful like so much aishwarya they have but there is often so much conflict in between indra devan and the way getting jealous and insecure and nervous if someone else is given a boon you know that makes them more powerful than him etc that's one reason the other reason is that they are there for a purpose so that the material mentality person on this world in this world aspires first for the heavenly planets then uh, if he is pursuing uh, the correct track then he sees beyond it in many cases the jeevas go back to the to the heavenly planets and then come down again when the five credit is over so it is like a, you can ask why do why can't we just have ground floor and the 13th floor or the 12th floor why must we have the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth because there is need there for people to cross these stages before going up but even people even people like uh, let's say for example brahma who is considered to yeah. be like the highest demigod in yeah. in all the demigods he's got his own planet planet which is brahmaloka and yeah. but like even he's also not able to like you know on his own capacity he's not able to get to vaikuntha but is he already there or is he like is he not like yeah. is he there or is not there? like when that in that uh... no, just remember one thing one is that brahma is a post and apparently the uh, that is the highest position that a jiva can get to after so many lifetimes of doing everything properly he can go to brahma loka and rule there as brahma so it is a post or a position now why does he not want to go does he even want to go to uh, vaikuntha loka i don't think so these are arrangements on post made for entities who want to uh, be very powerful and have got so qualified themselves so much that they don't necessarily want to give it all give all that up and become submissive to the lord and go there and serve therefore when they're in trouble they go to the milky ocean and stand at the edge and brahma is uh, they, like a whole deputation goes to brahma and brahma puts across a request that's different the the another interesting angle to all this is the question is do the demigods actually come down now think very carefully about this because laguna beach in america when uh, prabhupada disciples went there and i think prabhupada also went there the extent of the wealth and the lovely climate and the living conditions and the beauty of the people of america that that, that time in laguna beach it is just so astonishing how i mean you know one ends up thinking how can somebody have done not that we should aspire for it but if you start thinking about this business of karma what did they do in previous lives to get so much and all together so they didn't have spiritual uh, understanding obviously that is why uh, iskon was going there and starting and they had it was all for fun meaning their their gambling and their casinos and but they were so well endowed and prabhupada is supposed to have made a statement which is taken very seriously that some of those characters living at that time in laguna beach were demigods that have come down so it may seem like a fantastic ridiculous statement it 
view but it has said i have often wondered you know if you read the biographies of some of these people who like i'm thinking specifically of um, the maharani gayatri devi who is no more of jaipur you know there was a school formed by her uh, started by a girl named jd etc if you see her biography is called a princess remembers and i think she had someone else write it for her i looked into this biography and read it two three times because uh, in a very honest way she talks of her childhood and she is born uh, her mother is from the baroda royal family line her father is from that place near assam not assam uh, one of the northeastern uh, not bardwan i'm not nagaland uh nagaland or tripura meghalaya not tripura and manipur no not mizo naga nati not even tripura uh, it's not coming back now but like it is from the royal Sikkim? family no 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 a minor a minor state anyway uh, maybe i am not giving you the right description but the fact is that the father died when she was barely six but uh, despite that the mother and the extent of the wealth and then the way her life unfolds she had uh, beauty she then had this fairy tale marriage to raja jay singh as his third wife who was a great polo player so is popular with the british and you can say it was a waste of her life at one level because she never really seriously went into spirituality in any way okay they had that temple the, the govindra the, what is it called the Uh, Radha Govind Temple in Jaipur, which is inside one of their palaces, but it not never really touched her. If you read the biography, but the extent of the opulence, you know, it's just so astonishing. If you stop and think, what did these people do in previous lives to get these results? There, this Laguna Beach comment by Shila Prabhupada actually makes a lot of sense. There is no other explanation. You know, and I'll try and uh, track down. A, there's a particular shloka. in one of the upanishads or the bhagavatam that will tell you the reverse direction traffic also that all by it goes something like this all meaning the jivas by their own effort go up to the devata rank and to the demigod to the heavenly planets and then they come down again when their pious credit is over so it the traffic happens in both ways and then they come down because the pious credit is over there still so much leftover baggage to enjoy like you say you had a very heavy harvest beautiful harvest you hold feast you give away just so much left so these are the kind of characters who get born into royal families you know they may be lost it spiritually but still the kind of descriptions the wealth you can say sociologically if you analyze they were looting the public or then the british came and looted them and took away the heirlooms all their jewels there is a nizam of hyderabad when they finally broke into his palace they found the huge costly emerald being used inside the shoe to adjust the big size like we put a, a ball of paper at the tip of the shoe which is too big you know if someone has been mistake a school shoe school uniform shoe this man was using it earlier it was a paper weight on his table then in some situation he couldn't find anything else and he used it to fill the space i think he was a small man small built man so the extent of the wealth to think of the extent of the wealth of the russian royal families the romanovs you know it's what were they in a previous life that is not to suggest that they actually had very happy lives in this life may not be even maharani gayatri devi at the age of 50 she is widowed she goes to jail under indira gandhi her son turns out to drug addict and kills commit suicide or dies by drug addiction there's so much legal battle for her property but this question of karma 
and with the devatas and that whole it's all real that the traffic goes this way and then comes back also again not that we should waste our time aspiring for it but sometimes one is really astounded by the wealth and the opulence of certain situations or certain people and you wonder you know like what they were earlier so, so the laguna in, beach in, in one uh, so in one sense like people like let's say indra or like brahma is a um you know maybe uh, we brahmas closer but then uh, but indra in the sense like for, let's take indra for example like, as an example he's like the king of heaven he's like the king of the demigods he's got he's probably the the greatest materialist so he, even he's not reached the stage yet like when he's Absolutely. got to uh, by contact like, in that sense that's the point i think the desire is probably not there there is still some desire to enjoy separately or to occupy their own uh, and and so the lord engages them beautifully to enhance his pastimes somebody has to feel bad and then go to brahma and the drama goes to uh, them and like this someone has to make indra insecure and jealous to start a fight and then again the devatas rush to him and krishna intervenes so he also requires people to fight with him he loves a good fight this is another aspect of him of vishnu or krishna so uh, to enhance his pastimes there's so many types and varieties of characters are there that's the reason is the answer to your question and apart from that on a positive note the uh, devatas or the demigods very much uh, uh, play a role like departmental heads supplying whatever are the material needs of the material the jeeva stuck in the material world that's why we have all these yagyas even the vedas recommended the homas this god will give you this that that god will give you marriage this god will give you long life some other god will give you a, you know prosperity or a son to get a son uh, to have a son born to you and so on so uh, uh, this chapter 5 in karma yoga what we were talking about is basically how uh, to remain so steady and to get so much satisfaction from within that basically we don't have any um nothing affects us nothing about actually happens around us affects us and in this second section that we are doing if you jump to text 18 hmm. it's a famous verse vidya vinaya sampadde that one so this one right vidya vinaya sampanne yeah brahmane gavihastine vidya vinaya sampanne brahmane gavihastine ஷுனி Shwan is a dog. Jaiva Shwapa Ketya Pandita Samadarshana. The person who is truly full of transcendental wisdom uh, sees no difference between all this. Do you want to read the translation in English? Yeah, yeah. The humble sages by virtue of true, true knowledge see with equal vision a learned and gentle brahmana, a cow, an elephant, a, a dog and a dog eater. outcast okay here a dog and a dog eater meaning like an outcast uh, uh, someone who is not even allowed it's called as a chan chan chandala chandala, chandala. Yeah. Uh-huh. that is because i think those that burn the dead bodies and they walk uh, through the graveyards uh, to 
living off whatever they find there that's actually like considered a dog eater craft yeah though you must know uh, just on a side note there is a situation where vishwamitra muni eats a dog did you know that vishwa oh, uh, and that is to bring home the principle of again this is specific shloka connected with it that uh, in apata kale dharma apata kale meaning in unnatural times there's an emergency you have to do things that you would not normally do at all uh, this is an important and very practical common sensical principle in our coming down in our scriptures so vishwamitra muni apparently started doing austerities and started doing dhyana or meditation ages passed yugas passed eons passed and he was not aware of anything when he opened his eyes it was some in one cycle it was like the tail end of a yuga and all around him was it was just arid and dry with nothing to be seen and by then vishwamitra muni felt the pangs of hunger this crony dog came in front of him and he understood that basically uh, this is the lord's arrangement to satisfy so the total detachment or you can say without being overcome by revulsion as we would have been he does something and eats that dog so this is called apata kala dharma the dharma is different in certain emergency situations you have to adjust and an example of this is again given when shila propod went to russia uh, fascinating those uh, uh, those accounts anecdotes i think they're even available online you know you look at propod in russia the person who went with him is one of his earliest disciples still alive today called shama sundar an american so uh, they were straight away in trouble you're talking about the 70s in russia russian long queues in front of you know places unhappy looking people bitterly cold shamasundar they put up prabhupad um, and an assistant a hindu boy who tagged on at the last minute and uh, no sorry they met this hindu boy because uh, in russia i think in moscow because his father was posted there and they met him at a supermarket and this boy got so interested he tagged on and uh, he he uh, so he came on to, to the hotel to serve shila propat and a, a situation arose where uh, after spending many hours standing in the queue the sham sundar got some milk some packets of milk and maybe they already taken rice with them and some sugar there was nothing else barely any fruit barely any vegetable and there was a cooking a stove cooking arrangement in prabhupat's room that they always carried with them in those days Uh, and of course uh, he had his famous brass uh, two tier or three tier pressure cooker uh, like a cooker not pressure so they made rice keel but the problem was they had made so much rice keel they couldn't have nothing to store it in now prabhupad used to always use a brass lota like a pot for his toilet you know to wash himself after his using the toilet he brought that lota and said fill it and store it in this and we can eat it so the disciples were stunned the, the, the two people with him that someone who is stressing so much cleanliness and hygiene and should be and you know bath three times a day and something that's been used in the toilet that you to wash your backside uh, you know after uh, okay it's not a plastic mug and those lotas were making very nicely scrubbed the polished copper or brass but still to something you going to eat because there was nothing else no vessels are available but probably it is better than asking the hotel for some uh, maybe god knows that you in russia it is uh, pretty um, uh, uh, stark the way they use non veg uh, without going into details so i think prefer preferred this 
at least it is something that he had been using and maintaining cleanly and when they asked him that how can you do this it is shocking he said this is apatakala dharma we can't just waste with great difficulty we found milk and we had sugar and rice and we made and this is going to be our meal today and tomorrow it's so cold we don't need a fridge it will stay but what do we keep it in you know i think they couldn't leave it in that main vessel or uh, because the main vessel needed to be washed and got ready for the next cooking so he stored it in the lota so that aspect is also there and uh, talking about dog and dog eater and everything here in this in this translation the humble says they don't see any difference they don't differentiate and the point is made that the brahman and the cow are basically in uh, the mode of goodness presumably they are satric their lifestyle and the cow is also considered very much a satric animal because whatever it produces from its body benefits mankind so many ways even when it's dead you take off the skin and use it as leather its horns are used even in some puja situations they are used its dung its urine is used for medical reasons it gives milk through which you get ghee and butter and what not uh, what else i can't think of anything and it's basically such a gentle loving creature and people i have had students here who tell me that when they grew up they had cows in the family and that is such an ex- calming and soothing experience being with cows that in their worst times today when they are having difficulties it's that memory that soothes them and keeps them free of stress so the cow is very much something that is a such great use to others the cow is in the mode of goodness the brahmana is presumably in the mode of goodness if he is a true brahmana or of or person man or woman of brahmanical mentality because it's he is again doing so much good he can tell uh, truth from falsehood he can discriminate what is right and wrong and advise others and show people the path and he should remain detached always and live on whatever the lord offers and not get paid for his services give off donations and contributions so that's the mode of uh, goodness now an elephant is supposed to be in the mode of passion uh, why exactly i can't explain but i think it's just that it's huge weight and it's it makes it a um, it, it, the potential for destruction is there the, the weight you know if it attacks you're finished it steps or something it squashes it the elephant is also considered you know elephant remember have sharp memory considered most intelligent animal that's there in a dog and a dog eater of course meant to be in tamogun or tamas but the the sage that is full of um uh, wisdom doesn't see any difference between them because he sees it inside each one of them basically the parmatma is present guiding them in the body that they have acquired or earned by their previous actions this is a very high level and in fact you know when we were growing up and then the government is constantly telling you about secular and secular and all religions should be treated equally they can't tell us why give us an explanation like this because otherwise there are cultural and differences in practices between hindus and christians and parsis and muslims and sindhis and so on so how can everything just be one except in a very superficial way straight away you get into dietary differences different festivals different mentality that's, that's uh, the uh, that's the uh, uh, that's the belief in like uh, if you take advaita vedanta it's the belief that uh, they will say that i mean there's this famous phrase you know like uh, aham brahmasmi yeah like, aham brahmasmi yeah. uh, i am brahman or like tatvamasi uh, that thought yeah. that thought and and that belief that like 
everything i mean that concept is very difficult to kind of uh, i mean it's understandable but it's it's like 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 you said it kind of uh, it's not uh, uh, you know it's kind of not getting practical. one uh, practically is very difficult to like apply it because uh, because uh, the ideas are like you know i mean i was listening to a conversation actually recently with somebody who was an advaita vedantist and so yeah. somebody was asking him this question like uh, this idea of like you know then how can you know like in people um you know like it seems very empty there's a like there's an emptiness in that in the in the uh-huh. idea there's an emptiness which is which you know and so that person i mean he gave some kind of explanation where he said that you know it's a given fact that we live our lives in a dualistic perspective but the higher perspective is the is the non-dualistic perspective and that's understandable but also there's this there's this emptiness that's there which is very uh, which nobody can explain what this emptiness is it's like uh-huh. and in in the path of bhakti at least like when people are giving their complete devotion to uh, krishna and they're yeah. giving their loving service to him and uh, you know uh, trying to please him and you know they're saying like you know i'm the servant of the servant of the yeah, yeah. devotee's servant basically they're saying that you know i'm in that state uh it's kind of a little bit arrogant in that sense to be like you know all is one and or at least like presume that you know like you and god are the same in one sense when there is a clear you know there are energies that are obviously much greater than yours which you can't comprehend even if you don't believe in the idea of god also there are energies that let's say you know like you can't even you, you can't explain like how does the sun give its sunlight this is the most simplest of things you can say like in science scientific ways you can explain and say that like the sun gives sunlight through this process but why does it give it like and where does it get this power from to become the sun in the first place how does this happen in the first place like the most simplest of things are like you know where does who gives the power for it to rain every day like this kind of water to come down and stuff like that now like like if you say if you think that you and the rain are one and the same it's very difficult to then to live your life because you will always be thinking that you are in control of every situation and when something does get out of your control you will feel irritated with yourself for not uh being in charge of that situation when you can very easily just just detach yourself from that idea and say that i am like you know uh, these things that are happening are separate from me and there is a entity there is a being that's in charge of the whole career, of the the whole process and that being is responsible for everything to happen so i see that so i mean you one can easily find like loop, like loop like loopholes in that argument and say you know there are these things also there's that and there's this and there's this uh but yeah people find like ways to like kind of say you know this is that there's an emptiness that's there in that you know which i feel like uh, right. void is there that. and what you're talking about arrogance is true because it's uh, confused thinking how can we deny that uh, we may how elevated we may become our powers and our ability to control things is so limited we can't stop anything we can't make the sun come back a second time after it the sun has set you know we can't even stop a nail from growing how elevated you may be even if you are a yogi the nail keeps growing damn noise and you have to cut it or it gets in the way so 
so it is uh, this is mithya this is complete maya this uh, idea that aham brahmasmi or tat tvam asat you are that I, yeah we are one with the lord in quality because he is also spiritual and we are spiritual but the quantity of the power and the quantity and the size not just in terms of the atma is a huge difference of the potency huge difference and it's uh, untrue to say and, uh, you know i am that you are this or i am i can aham brahmasmi that's why that that uh, that in that belief like it's so the path is so difficult to cross because the there is like a um you have to be on such a high level to like get rid of everything you to put aside all your material desires but the one the i would say the most the, the, the thing is that it's a like in the end ultimately like what you're seeking is liberation in the end which is again a kind of a desire that you're seeking so how do you how do you get past that idea then like in the sense that like if your if your desire is to get rid of all desires that itself is a desire in the end of the day and so yeah. so why not just accept that you know you desire something that is higher than yourself and you want to strive for it so, and achieve it and engage in service yeah try to become that mm. yeah i had listened to one person who was speaking about this who was an advaita vedanta he's saying that somebody was asking me so what about love like don't you love other people in the sense uh-huh. so he's like yeah if you're on this path then naturally you will have love for uh thing i was like that's not a given that's not a given this thing if you if you say that you are on the path of like if you if you are on, if you believe that everything is one and the same you are more likely going to think that even the idea of love itself is just one and the same and even the idea of like you know uh, devotion and service and all these things are one and the same and you will not and you will not even like to meet somebody else because that this is the ideal person on the path you will not like to meet somebody else because uh, you know what is the point like you know why to engage yourself in material uh, uh, you know material situations material surroundings and yeah mm. yeah when one in the, when when you are one in the same of everything else. so i found that so like i found that thing also because it's kind of an accept like people at least on like at least who are on the path of like devotion at least there you know there's a level of acceptance that look we are not all the same like in the sense there are differences that exist and yeah. you know there are people with varying levels of degrees of competence and incompetence and uh, love and not love and all that stuff even in the path of let's say devotion in one sense and they are right. not uh, you know what do you say and there a lot of them would freely admit even in the stories that you read also there are all the stories of different acharyas or people who are going through different obstacles and all that like let's take dhruva uh, as an example of this you know when he was pointed out by swambhu manu like you know that he was going too far in killing the yakshas and all that stuff he yeah. admitted that he was making a mistake at that time and that uh-huh. he you know there was no arrogance and there was no like you know okay i'm you know like you know there was no thinking like that in that time so he accepted and he moved on for his life so i think you know there are so many examples of people like that in this also but they are willing to admit that you know where they made themselves wrong which is uh, which is all that you're asking for you're not asking for anything else you're not asking people to uh, believe in an idea that makes them feel like 
you know their that all their problems are non-existent like even the problem itself is like like you know just an illusion or like no like everybody has problems everybody has to go through stuff so that's what my uh, i was listening to this talk and i was just thinking about it, like i don't i don't completely yeah, believe in it i understand i think uh, for the advaitins when they say jagan mithya the world is unreal that's not true because the world is real but it is temporary and uh, what you're going on talking about a kind of emptiness emptiness i think you mean a lack of variegatedness they are not putting anything else there they are denying everything but then you have to put some supreme lord there to rechannel all your the, your emotions and your aspirations so that way the path of bhakti is lot more practical it doesn't say that uh, it doesn't deny the existence of all these problems you know like you said different emotions different levels of competence it just says try and aspire and improve to come to higher levels by dumping your normal abilities in the service of the lord this way it gets purified purified your consciousness and your desires get purified far more practical approach because you cannot just deny the existence of senses they you can suppress them but you can't deny it because suppressing is different and denying is uh, different and in fact somewhere later in the bhagavad gita you will come across the uh, uh, the uh, example given is that of the tortoise or the turtle how a really wise man learns to put out his senses when required to do things yeah, and then draw the senses and put it back it's a remarkable quality that the tortoise has you know that if the senses are always around it is the na- it is the natural impulse of the senses to basically go running towards sense objects it's natural eyes want to see something you know tongue wants to taste something and then we get kind of do things that we don't simple level you know i now don't look at the cheese cheese rack when i go shopping in uh, spring my weekly shopping i love cheese but it just doesn't agree with me my stomach can't digest in the sense i overeat and it causes acidity so i simply don't look at those cheeses and nowadays they have lots of cheese options you know kodai cheese uh, kodai farm and uh, some other so many in the past it was only amul cheese amul cheese i can handle mm. but so it is a natural impulse the tongue is active the brain has memory store it reminds you that cheese you have not tried this other one you have not tried invariably i give it away or throw it away so mm. that natural impulse of the senses is to rush towards something that will give it satisfaction these are the objects the sense objects how can you just deny it and say this is uh, illusion it is really completely uh, it's completely illusion so uh, i agree with you that uh, you can poke a lot of holes in what this uh, advaitin uh, mentality the advaita vedantins are saying because their philosophy is monotheism everything becomes one mono but the vaishnava path is straight away one and madhvacharya is and ramanujacharya is about duality or dualism there are always two that is the lord and there is the jiva there is always interaction the interaction gives us a chance to use our senses and bring out our feelings and emotions and and then from there take it forward you know to elevate and to come to higher levels of consciousness is far more practical and real the bhakti path and the, the way the in the in the purpose proper makes it even more practical because he knows you can't aim for something you know impossible and then the people are really frustrated because they can't get there here in this the section that you're reading about this the, the those who don't make a distinction between these five uh, different categories of living entities some in sattva guna some lower level 
रजो एंड इवन तमस because they see they're so single minded they've reached the level where they're so single minded that they basically see only the existence of the super soul or the brahmana or the paramatma sorry inside each of you so that's a high level and i am saying that that is our real answer to uh, secularism because when we were growing up in school this whole nehruvian idea is uh, basic it is not hindutva that is the answer to secularism it is not hindutva at all hindutva is again completely however genuine their grievances may be with the nehruvian way of thinking and explaining the world to its followers the hindutva just brings a very narrow bodily designation based conception we are hindus we are greater only hindus they can harass the muslims and drive them out from us this is an extremely material level of consciousness there's also you know, like a there's also like a, le- a level level of insecurity that's there also in that obviously and, uh, and obviously but what is happening is that with the, with the hindutva forces they are for once maybe taking charge of temples and allowing people to talk openly about their religiosity and spirituality suddenly they are very popular but uh, they are offering what they are offering as a as a replacement for secularism or you can call it the pseudo secularism that followed the post nehruvian period in india uh, it, this is not the real answer the real answer is the verse like this that how are we all the same that is that we should not distinguish or discriminate between muslims and christians and which is what the nehruvian ideal is yeah fine but why and how because basically all of us the external body has an identity and we have different cultural practices we are raised differently we are taught to believe in a different type of god those things are real but at another level that is basically that finally when the body burns what are we individually basically there is a jeeva even inside them this verse the samadarshana pandita samadarshana verse chapter 5 verse this particular verse 18 is the answer to pseudo secularism it is not hindutva at all that is the answer hindutva is only going to destroy and create division and create more uh, suspicion and uh, like you said is coming from insecurity there is a certain amount of risk because i think for practical purposes also iskon is dealing a lot with the hindutva forces i don't know why i mean i think there are practical reasons a lot of foreigners want to escape foreign iskon devotees want to escape harassment in hostile countries they live in china russia what do they need they need a visa where to live in india whether mayapur or vrindavan or delhi or wherever who is going to give the visa the government who is the government today the hindutva government so it's kind of forced in certain situations to be very nice and to bend over backwards and to cultivate because there is a huge benefit so 5000 people suddenly are able to continue to live on the dam because visa uh, uh, what is the visa i think permanent visa or 10 years 15 years has been sanctioned so they not only live in more peacefully but they actually practice and contribute to the temples and contribute to the mayapur service situation these things are there but at the individual these pressures or compulsions are there i understand fully but at the individual level i think it's very important for the devotees to tell the difference where does it constant and where does the hindu where does the hindu to understanding stand there is black and white difference really black and white difference so this is called is called is called i feel like is more like it dwells like it is religious in one sense but in also like it dwells its spiritual. emphasis is more on the spiritual which is spiritual. like it's uh, the em- yeah sure and we shouldn't lose it it's gone shouldn't be losing it that's what i meant this is something very great most other so called spiritual organizations can't even tell the difference between matter and spirit i don't want to name them 
you go a little into the philosophy and practice and what they are telling their people followers you can tell they don't even understand the difference between what is matter and what is spirit you know matter is temporary and spirit is eternal and etc so the spirituality and spiritual understanding of things is something very valuable is going to bring into the world situation and we shouldn't lose it in the present confused times that we're living in things are going to go more and more in that in this one direction it's obvious it's like you know it, the juggernaut has started rolling and nothing is going to stop it they will give you 100 different explanations why this particular policies now they are bringing out are long overdue okay there is some truth in what they are talking about islamic terrorism that it is really getting out of hand but it might be also that the more the hitutva forces get control the more extreme islamic re retaliation is going to like both are both know. is bad like both is bad like in a sense like like you can't like uh, in one sense we can't say that uh, the, that it's completely unjustified because there are attacks on from the other side I, also that was there and also thing is like and nobody is like no it, it is in india there is a belief that if you talk about that then you are like against you are an anti uh, like if you talk about let's say a muslim attack for example then you yeah. are you know anti muslim or you are like uh, you don't support their cause and you're you know you're not standing up for them and things okay. like that so if, but if it if, if you say something that is you know anti like let's say hindu then you'll get people especially on the left of the hindu uh, society they will praise you and they will say nice things about you the same society will same society will uh, will say don't talk about this violence that is done by the other community also for this so that that uh, sort of uh, duality that is that exists that's why duality is that's why duality is important <laughs> why get non duality it's like, yeah if you get into that you'll get into more issues yeah yeah i agree the hypocrisy is very much there the so called intellectual the left leaning intellectuals of india foreign yeah. educated actually that they can never see the other side i agree fully that you know there's a lot of hate campaign even on the muslim side that is going on and on and turning uh, people against so but i don't think this is the answer because the answer is more like what given in this verse yeah so in this section in this chapter 5 in this section another thing that is really stressed so it comes up only later it is karma krodha that is both lust and anger how one has to get past it in order to actually get anywhere in spiritual life uh this that karma krodha vimukta i'll just find the verse for you it is beyond verse 18 um yeah it actually comes up only in verse 26 but there's a reference to it in verse 22 also okay okay uh if we will look at yeah, we will look at verse 26 first and then jump back to 22 i'll tell you why the verse 26 is important because here yeah you can read the translation so it's those who are free from anger and all material desires who are self self realized self disciplined and constantly endeavoring for perfection are assured of liberation in the supreme in the very near future Okay. So, so here yeah it's not material desire here means lust so it's not just enough to get past lust 
apparently krodha uh, is considered the younger brother of lust anger is considered the younger brother of lust now and the example is given of vishwamitra muni who finally after uh, initial struggles overcame one but then fell into the pitfall of anger which is uh, that apparently when vishwamitra muni was doing his tapas and meditation uh, menaka the celestial damsel aksara menaka came his way with the deliberate intention of breaking his tapasya or testing him and made herself very attractive and seduced him and they basically lived happily for a while or whatever till he realizes this for a long time in celestial years in time frame then he vishamatra uh, muni decides to start all over again and be able to overcome lust so what happens is he then again does years and years of extreme austerity and tapasya and renunciation and he's kind of got past lust so then comes ramba uh, you know ramba tilottama this ramba was another celestial damsel coming with the same intentions as menaka but by now vishwasamuni muni has uh, got past lust so he when he sees her coming he knows what her intention is but what happens is he reacts so furiously that he curses her and because he has made himself so angry that someone dared to try to obstruct his tapasya so that anger then he falls into the pitfall of anger and he loses all the progress he has made spiritually through his meditation so lust and anger go together now both things have to be tackled internally and the reason is really uh, and i was listening to a lecture by jayakrishna charanbari explained that lust we may have got over but uh, let us assume that someone who's been practicing who's uh, uh, many years elderly is got past lust but if he or she is still prone to anger what it really means is that uh, the desires have been removed from one material realm and been redirected to another material realm they have not really been redirected to the spiritual law that is what it what it indicates is somebody is given to frequent outburst of anger i found this very helpful very very useful because uh, that the two are to be treated together and how anger is a sign that that particular person internally has redirected his consciousness to just another some other material realm they have not really redirected it back to the lord so uh, uh, we are being warned here in 26 that the, you have to get past all this and only then uh, and the way to get past this is not just to be like the tortoise that withdraws its senses but to also constantly purify the mind and consciousness to see everything as a part of the lord's plan so that even if something goes completely against uh, us not in our favor after an initial outburst we calm down and try to see this as a lord's plan now if you jump back to verse 22 this is 26 but if you go back to verse 22 yeah just go back to verse 22 Yes, one, right? Uh, so, yeah. intelligent person does not take part in the source of sources of misery, which are due to contact with the material senses. O son of Kunti, such pleasures have a beginning and an end, and so the wise man does not delight in them. Hmm. So, because and if you look at the verse just before it, uh, it is like verse twenty-two is the continuation of verse twenty-one. Such a okay, I think is- I think it will start with. Uh, maybe 20 because uh, I think in uh, he's describing something 
That's right. So, so it's like a person who neither enjoys upon achieving something pleasant nor laments upon obtaining something unpleasant, who is self-intelligent, who is unbewildered, and who knows the science of God, is already situated in transcendence. Transcendence. Such a liberated person is is not attracted to material sense pleasure, but is always in trance. enjoying the pleasure within in this way the self realized person enjoys unlimited happiness for he concentrates on the supreme and intelligent okay, so person does not yeah well. yeah basically it means that person is getting all his happiness and satisfaction from within hmm. okay he is not looking for external stimuli and that's how because external stimuli this is a warning given in verse 22 an intelligent person does not take part in the source of misery which comes due to contact with the material senses Uh, in other words, that external stimuli to give us happiness, why it's not a reliable option, and how an intelligent person doesn't go in that direction, doesn't go there, is because he knows they are temporary. He does not take part. Why? Why is it a source of misery? Because it's temporary. It gives happiness for a while and then dies out. So, to what extent people who are deluded can go? Uh, I was reading a book by I don't know if it was Kenneth Anderson. or uh, one of these wildlife writers years ago i, st- I think i still have it one of these not jim cobbett in south india somebody who was yeah maybe kenneth anderson because he used to live in some part of earlier bangalore and i think his son or somebody is still alive now but what they say is monkeys uh there is a a particular tiny monkey who is hunted down or blinded hunters come and dig out the eyes the horrible a really horrible story the eyes are then of little tiny monkeys the eyes are then in some form dried and powdered and consumed to increase an aging man's virility or his ability to perform sexually so to what horrible extent people can go to satisfy lust is just a kind of very dramatic and vivid answer what horrible some poor creature kill the creature at least is better they are let blinded because this is the purpose this is the business of the market it is so there is a actually sorry to interrupt actually there is a story i don't know which one it is like, about this king that he asks his son no like uh, can you exchange your youth yeah yayati are you talking about yayati that's king yayati only Yeah, I think. Yeah, go on. Yeah, because he. But he. Wants t- to, uh, yeah, sons. he wants to. Yeah, yeah, he wants to enjoy like lust basically. So he asks his son to like you exchange your youth for my old age, and uh-huh. his son accepts. And then he, basically, like he enjoys his. Now he's become young, and he's able to like. I mean, he has this relationship with I don't know some celestial goddess or some something like that. He has it. Yeah. Yeah. Then so then. Then after that, so he enjoys it for like some long time. Then he gets to a point where he realizes that all this is meaningless, and you know, it's just uh, he has to transcend that state now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but you were making the point, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was making the point that not all these people who are chasing lust are so enlightened as this king, and so the uh, the amount of terrible karma, karmic things they do, and karmic reactions they are going to get just to satisfy lust. So why why is why is this person this aging man why is there a market for these aging people because that that source of enjoyment that you can get through coming in contact with the material senses it is temporary how is it temporary because this wretched man's body is aging it can't give the happiness it could give earlier so he's trying all this kind of artificial inputs 
so therefore it is an intelligent person doesn't get into that at all instead he avoids being a slave to lust and then anger which goes hand in hand with it and instead he tries to he looks within himself to find the satisfaction so there's a strong warning about lust and anger lust and anger all the time and there are great great stories there is the story of how brahma got uh, attracted and went after his uh, own daughter you know that yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. and surya bhagwan or somebody laughed seeing the spectacle but these things are there uh, also as a warning to us to always uh, basically this great there was also yeah. another story where this is a great sage like karuna's name but he's meditating under water and then in that he sees two fishes uh Shaubara meeting shaw shaw uh yeah so he sees that and he's like he's trying to get rid of lust actually so but he's trying to but when he opens eyes he and that itself is enough for him to like just get he, he get, and yeah and so he gets out and then he, the thing is like i think he goes to the king the nearby king and then he asks the king i uh, give me any daughter that you know you can like marry uh, marry and all stuff So the king obviously, the, yeah, the king looked at him and said uh, that. Uh, and he looked at him and said, "Okay, this person not dressed properly. He's like, you know, who will accept him?" And you know that. And so then he said, uh, you know, so basically he said, "Okay." He thought of a clever. He's like, "I'll get all my all the daughters. He has fifty daughters or something. So I'll get all of them. And <laughs> yeah, I'll get all of them. And uh, <laughs> I'll get all of them. And uh, if they choose you, then you get married." So right. then he's like, none of them choose him. So then he uh-huh. gets uh, so he's like okay they're all are choosing me because I'm not I'm not looking good I'm not this. so he does like he's a sage so he does something and he becomes good looking and all that and so he yeah. comes back and then then now every all the girls want to uh, get like you know they want yeah. they want to marry him so they all get married to him but then he's already in a high, uh, elevated state I don't know whether he so he engages he in that he produces huh? children yeah he put ah he produces lot of children. I'm lot of children, so he does all these things, and then, uh, then he, then in the end, I think he gets past everything. He gets past that, but not every, not all of us can like get married to fifty women at one time, and then they uh, get like. you know of course yeah. the shaubhara muni went through it for its purification vishamata muni for its purification but those examples are there so that we can learn and fix our mind more on uh, on the supreme lord or something to us recently just someone i was talking to someone from iskon made a she was basically she made a kind of very practical but very very totally true statement uh, i think her sister was complaining about some lack of adjustment that sister's marriage and then the sister's son has got married and they are having some lack of adjustment so this lady was telling me the advice that she gave that whole complaining group that everybody in the material world is sitting living in some adjustment situation in her kind of slightly faulty english she said ellardem situation ore adjustment aanu because material world is like that nobody is really fully happy with what they have you learn to tolerate your parents where and tolerate children or an office or a boss or your looks you are not happy you would have preferred a thinner face or a fatter face or you know a different body or a different type of ability nobody is happy because the material world is a place the only way to live is by adjusting and she was saying that once we understand this life becomes a little better 
you know but this is all that's on offer this is adjustments so and uh, in the process of adjusting we can avoid falling victim to anger and frustration and disappointment and striving more and more to find happiness through new sources and here in these verses that this chapter that's going to end soon uh, that is in, if you jump to verse 29 which is the final verse in chapter 5 this is another famous verse oktaram yajna tapasam sarva loka maheshwaram this one it says a person in full consciousness of me knowing yeah. me to be the ultimate beneficiary of all sacrifices and austerities the supreme lord of all planets and demigods and the benefactor and well-wisher of all the living entities attains peace from the pangs of material miseries yeah basically meaning that there is no other way out but to finally put more and more and more increasing quantities of trust and uh, uh, yeah to take full shelter of the supreme lord and to understand he is our real beneficiary he is like our friend he is the one um, he is actually sarvaloka maheshwaram demigods we may go to and offer yagyas to get different because they are departmental heads that's their role we may go to demigods and pray to them to get us different uh, uh, rewards that we want to make our life more successful in this material world we should know that he is also sarvaloka maheshwaram in the sense um, he is really the lord even of the demigods and of all the planets in fact if you see even if you are doing a ganapati yagya or a devi puja uh, they will be uh, they will put vishnu there in the center in a particular spot uh, they will mark it with the swastik and it may be in the form of a coconut kept there with auspicious leaves around the coconut but that is the vishnu sankalpa and unless vishnu is present Uh, and uh, vishnu is also he is asked to come and sit there and the yagya that is being done is basically seen as the flames are seen as the mouth of vishnu the tongue ah like that and uh, the sankalpa in abstract way that whatever you pour into it satisfies the the open mouth whether you are throwing bananas into the fire as happens in the diksha ceremony or you are pouring ghee into it or flowers into it etc so the lord the supreme lord is always present even when you are having dealings with the demigods and we should understand surudam sarvabhutana he is the true surat or friend of all living entities gnyatva mam shantim rishtati gnyatva mam one who understands this understands properly and then is peaceful because there's nothing really to aspire to because even if unjust things have happened to us on a material platform there is really no justice and i tell the story of uh, i don't know i might have told you narrated this earlier so i'm just going to kind of short uh, fast forward and shorten it when I, when i went abroad uh, on a scholarship this was in 1987 the very next year there was a road scholar you know these scholarships she was like an all rounder she was a doctor from mumbai her name was mrudula shastri she had a brother but she made it and she had grand plans to do community medicine in the 80s this was something very great and she had come to the uk to train and she was also like a champion swimmer she was a horse rider she represented india in equestrian sports some unusual middle class family background but they gave her all the facilities because she was so talented she came 
she spent a few months there because the term starts there in about september come december for the christmas break she was to go and visit her her brother and presumably also her boyfriend or fiance whatever in america so she took this panam flight which was bombed a bomb went off everybody perished this was a famous the lockerbie disaster the whole plane split up and fell somewhere in a part of scotland called lockerbie so uh, people in that small village called lockerbie got the fright of their life in the evening they looked up and saw flaming parts of a fire and then all the other mess the bodies and so on falling dropping on them i remember very clearly we were all called to give support when her parents were flown into identify the body there was no body there was just a hand with a bangle which the mother recognized but in one stroke that was the end of all their dreams and all the hard work that they had put into this girl it was the end of everything they have a surviving son i don't know his name some very traditional name so maybe this was mrudala other one i don't know now so many years later okay the people who were basically uh, charged with the murder i think it was an iranian or a lebanese some two people one of them uh, they caught and they put him in prison he spent some 30 35 years in prison and these families were meeting regularly and they had their own group to keep praying for justice what justice their lamentments are all gone finally the american court i think decided i don't know for some political diplomatic reason that the man having spent 30 35 years was suffering from cancer and likely to die in a couple of years so they just let him free to go back to his family so this came as a huge blow for the especially and including the parents of rudala shastri so and all their wait and the hoping that you know before before their eyes shut and before they die some justice for their daughter would be uh, witnessed So there is really no justice on the material. There is no guaranteed justice on the material platform. Of course, we have the Supreme Court and we have the High Courts, and we should turn to them and take recourse to law where unfair things are done. But separately and privately, don't hope for any solution from there. Whereas instead, if we are having a strong, we have made Krishna our superstar and friend and put all our trust, he will intervene and make sure that what is best for us happens. Okay. So we end this chapter on this note, and next week we can meet again and start chapter six next Saturday, yeah. if that's okay with you. And uh, yeah. chapter six is uh, also quite fascinating because it's on a different track, the technical process, and the kind of uh, powers that a real yogi can develop. That's all really fascinating. We can start applying it and see people who are capable of it. at least like the laguna beach guys who were probably demigods in a previous life you can see people able to do impossible feats now who must have been yogis in a previous life and they bringing that siddhi with them they said that okay. the story of uh, vrindavan also which is interesting like in the start of that uh, past the 10th canto uh, yeah. they said that like the people who krishna grew up with are basically yes. avatars of the demigods oh, they are like there uh, uh, so there's a, there's a this thing where the demigods they know that krishna is like going to be descending into this earth and so they approach brahma and they ask him like you know we want to be a so brahma actually organizes this whole thing he tells them that you know he tells them that you are all are going to be citizens of vrindavan so right. all the people like you know the people who are um the mother yashoda uh, nanda maharaj 
um yeah, yeah. the other uh, you know gopis and gop all of them are actually demigods who take come as uh, avatars and who are living there and all basically so here that, is your uh, answer here is your answer to your question why do the demigods not uh, yeah. go back to kunta and your answer and i said because unless they aspire to and those of them that do aspire get uh, to take part in these leelas hmm. in fact uh, my understanding is that even with an ordinary jeeva even once they he after many lifetimes of practice or in a few lifetimes or one lifetime gets it all right and is fully qualified to go back to vaikuntha or krishna loka he doesn't go there directly you know why he goes to something that is called bhauma leela that is if right now krishna is doing his leelas on some planet in some universe in some part of of the universe that jeeva takes birth there to get practiced to take his role in the different leelas and the different services before he actually goes back to krishna loka okay so thank you for all your interesting mm. information and input and thank you <laughs> yeah okay uh, okay kanan all the best with your upcoming interview and so on at sure, your sure, talk sure. okay so i'll my... just stop the recording uh, yeah okay.